Welcome to Consumed, the podcast that stokes conversations with eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers. I'm Jamie Lewis, and this 18th season, I speak with folks across California, from Santa Barbara to the Bay Area, covering subjects as varied as lab-grown meat and artificial intelligence, food writing and pizza, hot vegan takeout, Santa Rita Hills Pinot Noir, carbon steel skillets, closing the loop on food systems, happy meals, charcuterie, agritourism, and much more. I hope you get to hear all of it. Thanks for listening. Before we jump in, I want to share a few words about our sponsors. Casa du Metz is a boutique winery in Los Alamos celebrating its 12th year in this historic one-horse town. Their attention and motivation is captured by creating aromatic fresh wines that defy expectation. With three brands, Casa du Metz, Clementine Carter, and The Feminist Party, their goal is to highlight the beauty and bounty of Santa Barbara wine country. They have a particular sweet spot for Rhone variety wines sourced from Cool Climate Vineyard Partners in the Santa Rita Hills. Join them for their popular weekly speaker series, monthly wine club vineyard tours, Malibu sessions, and a unique tasting experience where you choose your own wine adventure. Join the discovery with Casa du Metz and their sister business, Babby's Beer Emporium, next door to explore quirky craft beers and bubbles while enjoying dumplings and spicy wings from Dim Sama. 2023 marks their 19th vintage, and they want to celebrate with you. Visit casadumetz.com. For more information. Consumed is sponsored by Slow Life magazine. Since 2010, Slow Life has celebrated the culture of San Luis Obispo with features on the people, influences, products, and businesses that keep the city moving and shaking. For the last eight years, I've written the food column in Slow Life magazine, in which I cover restaurants and food trends here. More and more, I've seen how devoted the magazine's following is. Readers love learning about their community and weaving into the fabric of this very special place. To learn how you can subscribe or get in on the action, visit slowlifemagazine.com. We all know eating fruits and veggies is an important part of staying healthy. Fresh, local produce has the most flavor and nutrition, but how do you know what's in season locally? Become part of the Tally community as a member of the Tally Farms Box Program. Tally grows their produce and partners with other California farmers to include the freshest and best-tasting local produce you can find anywhere. Farming on the Central Coast since 1948, the Tally family created the Tally Farms Box to make healthy eating easy and affordable. Here's how it works. Select which size box you want, then choose pickup or home delivery and how often you want to get your box. It's flexible for customization and vacation holds, and included in all boxes are tested recipes and storage recommendations. Come be a part of Tally's healthy lifestyle. Visit tallyfarmsbox.com and use promo code CONSUMED for $10 off your first box. That's promo code CONSUMED for $10 off. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat lots of California fruits and veggies for better health. Okay, on to the episode. Okay, let me just state the obvious here. Everybody loves winemaker Ryan Devlet. He's the guy behind Devlet Wines, based out of San Luis Obispo, but he has wines from the Santa Rita Hills, Happy Canyon, and other Santa Barbara County regions and vineyards. Perhaps most exciting right now is Ryan's purchase of property off Los Osos Valley Road, formerly owned by grain farmer Larry Kandarian, who has been featured on this podcast too. 
Ryan speaks about pioneering a new region, his Armenian roots, and its connection to the late, great Kobe Bryant. He also shared a bottle of his first wine, a 2008 Pinot Noir from La Encantada Vineyard. And yes, it was gorgeous. I don't get to taste wines like that very often. Anyway, we spoke for about half the episode indoors, but we had to move outdoors because someone had to get into our house. So no biggie, but you'll notice a few leaf blowers going when we move outside. Such is life. Okay, here is Ryan Devlet. Um, you're probably very accustomed to drinking at 10, 10 a.m. like we are right now. Listen to you. <laughs> yes. But I am not. I used to be, and I am out of the habit or out of the practice, I guess. So, but I would never say no to the first bottle of Devlet, which is um, a 2008 Long Cantata Vineyard Pinot Noir. So why was that your first, do you think? Did you have a relationship with what's Richard his name? Richard Richard, thank you. Yeah. Planted that in ni- uh, 99 and into 2000. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, seen him at the World of Pinot Noir in 2007 on stage with uh, the pioneers of California Pinot Noir. It was David Hirsch in the Sonoma mm-hmm. Coast, Larry Hyde in Carneros, mm-hmm. Josh Jensen out of Hollister and Calera mm-hmm. Winery, mm-hmm. and then Richard Sanford. Yeah. And um, these guys kind of back and forth with their trials and tribulations and struggles of uh, planting vineyards in new undiscovered spots and bankruptcies and, you know, just the ups and downs of it all. Mm -hmm. But there was something really exciting about their bliss and their passions Mm -hmm. up there. Mm -hmm. And um, Richard had a quote that I wrote down which yeah. I do want to share it with you because it was really, really... Do you um, just keep it like on, the, on your home screen? Well, I phone? just remembered that I wanted to share it appropriately. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I wrote it down. I was at the time working with Stephen and Paula Dooley. They were, I was, mm-hmm. in fact, their very first employee, which to this day, mentors of mine, you know. And, uh, and they're, they're right across the street. Right down the road. Yeah. Um, but he had invited me to the world of Pinot Noir, and I had a pen down on the paper, you know, all these constant notes between these four, you know, men up there talking about their careers and lives. And Mm -hmm. Richard said, um, it's a personal challenge, a lifetime pursuit. It's about perseverance. There's a magic in it. There's a magic in Pinot Noir. Mm -hmm. And that for me was like Mm -hmm. this wow moment and really, um, propelled me to think, well, I was ready. I had worked a few years prior with Steven and um, I worked for a red car wine company, which was, I know um, red car. Yeah. David Ramey at yeah. the time, our consulting winemaker and Daniel Robertson, soil science. And, um, that was a wonderful journey. And then, uh, you'd gone abroad. I had just, I had come back from, yeah, I was in the Mornington peninsula in 2004 and worked in New Zealand that winter pruning came back to then the central coast. Oh, five, Oh six, Oh seven. Now at the world of Pinot Noir. And I was, Finishing that year uh, with Red Car, actually, at the time. Mm-hmm. Did you work with Josh McFadden out there ever? Uh, he did a harvest. Do you remember him? Mm. He started Proof Wine Company. Yes, yes, yes. He and wasn't he, there. Okay. Because I just know he did a he did one harvest just to kind of get his feet. Anyway. Yeah, go no, on. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, yeah, so anyways, I, I knew that I was leaving actually to go work abroad again in Argentina at mm-hmm. Vinacobos. And before I left, I um, uh, called Richard Sanford and asked for a meeting. I wanted to begin my own label. And mm-hmm. I thought that to start with fruit from one of the pioneers would give me a certain head start 
two years later and in who the gave sales you this quote too. side of it. You know, he gave me the quote. There was yeah. so much that I was like, I think that that would give me as a younger winemaker at the time, I was 27, a chance in sales that if I could go to these accounts and restaurants and tell them, hey, one of the pioneers believed in me and this was my you know, journey until this point, uh, my resume, so to speak, and now I have fruit from La Encantada, this organic For site. sure. And so I got... Um, Two tons of fruit in 2008, which was four barrels, yielded us about 100 cases, mm. and then had enough money to start in 2009 as well, so that the eight revenue, which came in 2010, helped to snowball for the 2010 vintage. Which you got a bank on. Nine to yeah. 11, and so just little by little, try to mm-hmm. increase you know, the uh, volume and build a business. Yeah. Who were some of your first customers? I always wonder about that when you launch a label. How, who who buys that first vintage? Uh, you know, I I would make road trips to San Francisco. I would make road trips down to Los Angeles. Um, I mean, I remember one story. Um, Richard Simon uh, is Bistro AKA or uh, Bistro Forty Five in Pasadena, and there mm-hmm. was like four or five different wine sales reps in front of me all doing the bag drag you know uh 12 bottles in there from various parts of different countries different regions and there i was kind of in my line waiting with my one bottle and richard (laughs) laughed when i got to the line and said you only have one that's all i had Mm -hmm. and he said you could have just jumped the line and i just kind of knew out of the respect for the others in front of me that they've, they've got places to go and you know now i even know more importantly, the hustle that that side is at continuing sales is extremely difficult. And so mm-hmm. appreciative of all of our team that help us out there to move yeah. the wines. My yeah. God, to get to that end consumer, a lot of links in the chain from the grower to me uh, in distribution, sales, and the consumer. But when you are just starting out, you are using skill sets that maybe you've never exercised before because you yeah. are the winemaker and the the hustler mm-hmm. and those are really different jobs right yes i think the reality for me was um i was i love it still to this day i was passionate about it then and i think that they see through the the dirty water if it's not authentic and real then they're going to see through it you know mm-hmm. and so i feel like lead with your heart and the sales followed so mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. helped um undoubtedly you know the first vintage 100 cases I had a lot of friends who helped me. You I know. was, yeah, they I would assume. They were my support. Yeah. So the wine club, you know, grew quickly mm-hmm. um, from the get-go, and that was really neat. Um, but, yeah, I would visit different accounts in the state of California. It was kept it focused, you know, mm-hmm. in just this state. And, then, and they were receptive. Yes. Yeah. I mean, incredible vineyard site, Santa Rita Hills booming at the time, you mm-hmm. know, still, of course. But, um 2008 was just post sideways and there was a lot going on with Pinot Noir, a lot going on with Santa Barbara County Pinot Noir. And to have just a hundred cases, I think, I don't know. I mean, it just disappeared. I hate to say we sold out quickly. It just kind of ran out quickly. It's only a hundred cases. Well, so I don't know why I've been very emotional lately, like emotional in a good way. Like I just have been feeling things really deeply. The fact that you brought your first bottle from before our kids were born, because your kids, how old are they? Jack is 14 and Lou is nine in October. Wait a minute. Was Jack born the same year? No, uh, no, as the wine? No, I guess not. No, he was born in 09 and I have a special bottling I did for him at Jack's Barrel. Aww. And I have a Lou's Barrel, which was uh, 2014. We haven't released Lou's yet. It'll be released next year, 10 years aging in our cellar. 
So, but like the fact that, so you did bring a bottle from before our kids were born and it's so, so bright and still so alive. Mm. You can taste when something is no longer kicking. And this is, um, and I just love the color, you know, as something ages, the color gets so special and this definitely has that pretty, like almost a brown edge, not brown, but you know what I mean? Like it's just been around for a while. I don't taste things like this almost ever. And I'm really grateful to you for sharing it with me. That's incredible. Well, I'm, I'm honored for the time to share this with you. I remember, you know, I'm just um, mm. so appreciative uh, of you as, you know, a sharer of stories with our community, with the world, mm. the things that you do. There's a lot of admiration. And so I remember oh, chatting you. with you yeah. in 2010, probably when this was. You wine, do remember. Absolutely. You reached out to me. I for sure did. Yeah. And I for sure did because I had always valued what I was reading from you. I knew oh. that you wrote with your heart, and it was there like there wasn't a lot then. No, so you but I are tuned in. I tuned yeah. in, and this was probably around 2010, it 11, was. when mm-hmm. that was going on, and so that's when this wine would have been bottled. And I recognize there's mm-hmm. a, not a direct parallel, but I, you know, came in Central Coast in 2005, and mm-hmm. reading what you were writing was connecting with me and my wife, and we were mm-hmm. in a tiny studio looking at the Fremont Theater. Oh, and you guys were over there. Santa Rosa Road. It was great. A little 700 Look square foot. You. Yeah. It was a great spot. Does it no longer exist? And it's still there. Oh, it is. I don't is. know okay. if they okay. still rent it or what's going on, if it's mm-hmm. office admin, whatever. But um, we went from there to just down Bishop, and I was able to bike ride over the Jennifer Street Bridge with mm-hmm. my son, Jack, to Cafe Roma to get a pizza and some of their handmade ice creams and mm-hmm. back. And anyways, new times, your role there. So my pleasure to share this wine and... Um, fun for me because as i had already noted you know this is where we got our start and mm-hmm. la and cantata i still work with mm-hmm. and that's a mm-hmm. huge component i think of our wines and style is the consistency of sight i think the more mm-hmm. we become familiar with these vineyards the more we can represent their characteristics and their typicity of sight and try to eliminate the you know the quote that we use is the signature of a winemaker should be the absence of one I want Hmm. ageability. You know, Mm -hmm, I want the wines mm -hmm. to have good restraint, high acid, lower alcohol, um, and not something that's going to fall apart. So I think Mm. it's fun to share that and Mm -hmm. and appreciate hearing that it is still in great shape. I'm proud of that. Oh, 100%. You know that. I mean, you can taste that. Okay, so a couple things, though. When you reached out to me, I believe it was through, I had a blog um, of the year that my husband and I spent abroad. And I think you found me actually, I mean, maybe you were paying attention before that, but there really wasn't a lot out mm-hmm. there that I had written uh, that was published. But the blog, I started because um, I had gone through WSET, had gone kind of the distance with that, but didn't have a job in wine and I wanted one, but I didn't want to work in restaurants. So here I am just like, okay, what could I possibly do that I could make a living in wine without being a sommelier? And I, and I was, we were trying to get pregnant. So I thought there's no way I'm going to go out and like work harvests or anything like that. (laughs) So maybe I've always had this ability to write. Maybe that could work with this new interest. And I started the blog when we were abroad because I thought if I could just get something out there 
so I could prove that I can do this, then I should just keep this diary going. And we were working on vineyards throughout Italy for six months. And then I worked for a winery in New Zealand for six months. And that is how you found me. I believe Hmm. is you said, Hey, I'm wondering, I found you. I'm wondering what winery you worked for because I spent time in New Zealand. I think that's the extent of it. And at the time I remember exactly where I was sitting because, Oh, that's awesome. Well, because I, I was so new for someone to kind of take me at all seriously. Uh, you know, I was just a fam girl. So it's like, well, for a winemaker to reach out to me was like, oh, oh man, okay. I, and just the fact that we've kind of come up together is pretty cool. I think so too, yeah. And um, it probably did resonate. I think I left a piece of my soul in New Zealand. And well, so when sure. I would have read that, I would have probably gravitated to it. And I'm a fan boy on many levels. I think that's where we learn is to sort of absorb the other energy from people and try mm-hmm. to grow, learn, and develop. And um, that trip for me was incredible. And I'm that's flattering to remember where you were seated. I remember where I was. I remember the <laughs> because I just um, and I know we got into a conversation about uh, biodynamics and lunar cycles. Yes, I know it was yeah. something where yeah. you know I am and still was then fascinated you know as a surfer right i mean uh less time in the water recently unfortunately but to think about what the moon does to the tides right and to think about irrigation strategies then or maybe sulfur applications as it relates to descending ascending moons and racking Mm -hmm. regimes bottling all that stuff it was you know it's it's uh, thought provoking um yeah and so i continue to study that i mean yeah and you're not you're not a woo-woo guy i don't think no, I yeah. don't want to be dogmatic about any of it. You know, no, it's, but the um, fact that you see value in it, even though I really respect that about winemakers who pursue biodynamics, they there's something there. I think we all recognize there's something to be said about the patterns of the moon and these semi mystical or at least more intuitive ways of doing it. For sure. For me, it's a long career, though. I wouldn't even put myself yet in that camp. I mean, Mm. it's a lot of study, and then to be able to make things applicable is the next challenge. Yeah. But I love learning about it and pushing Mm -hmm. it as as I can. Uh, At the same time, you know, building a business, we work with sites that are profound because of other winemakers I learned from. If it's Jim Clendenin mm. or Foxen, Billy Wathen, you mm-hmm. know, and what they've done at Sanford and Benedict or mm-hmm. Paul Lauda and what he's done at Zodovich. And that's the sites I work with. Or yeah. at La and Cantata, you know, I've loved Justin Willett's wines from Tyler Wine. You're naming and, all the best people. Well, they're yeah. wonderful people that yeah. we've been able to learn from, you know. And so for me... Um, I had an incredible time at Central Coast Wine Services where I started. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of philosophies to learn from and to peel from. So I remember having the conversation with you about biodynamics. I hope mm-hmm. to be able to someday at least push further in my um, intent. Yeah, uh, you're chasing it. Yeah, yeah, I'm chasing it. But we're building a business, which is great. And I think that's also flattering to think what you talked about being you're trying to have a kid. I mean, I'm trying to raise a family and I mm-hmm. feel so proud of my, mm-hmm. um, you know, my wife and I and the boys we've raised and building a business. There's a lot that goes into the days, mm-hmm. which, um, um, you know, yeah, you feel exhilarated that you're able to make wine on the central coast. And Pretty so cool. to feed off somebody else's yeah. passion yeah. and writing and go, let's, I got to reach out to her. You know, yeah. it's neat. We were both, it was fresh, and yeah. it still is, which and, is awesome. And super exciting. 
Yeah, things have changed a little bit for me. I'm still so... Like, I taste a wine like this, and all of a sudden I remember why. Mm. But there's so much wine now. It's yeah. so, so saturated, and that's not a bad thing. Because there's a wine for every type of yeah. explorer, for sure. But I think that... Um, I think my palate's gotten a little bit tired, maybe, or... Well, and also I'm getting older and I can't metabolize it quite the same mm. way. Understood. Do you feel that? As yeah, 2.30 to... witching hour. And if I drink too much, boy, it's like my mind turns on and it just starts racing. Really? Oh, yeah. Middle of the night. It's brutal. I agree with you. So yeah. I've got to be considerate of, you know, intake. And, yeah. and I want to drink stuff that's moving and passionate about, you know, inspiring. Yes. Yeah. So I find myself maybe spending more and drinking less, but having certain yeah. bottles that are like, wow, factor. Yeah. It, well, and spending more and drinking less, it all comes out to the same amount. Truth. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, I'm like you with that, but I think my Armenian roots would, would go mm. to show me like, man, that they discovered at Arini one, right? The base of Mount Ararat, these mm-hmm. M4, they're able to scrape to 4,000 BC, at least you're talking a 6,000 year yeah. old craft. Yeah. And so the idea of the amount of information and the amount of learning, mm-hmm. I feel just so grateful. Like what a career to be able to go and study and oh, participate it's in. It's nuts. Yeah. Are you, you have Armenian roots? 50%. And my mother's side is English from uh, Blackburn. But my wow, dad's you know side. A lot. That's amazing. Yeah. As an American, that's kind of rare actually. Well, and I grew up in Orange County where, um, you know, it was easier to tell people I was in the English side because mm-hmm. I didn't really know much about my Armenian ancestry. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit, um, it was a deep culture, tiny country, very deep culture. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost a lot, you know, um, like my Greek wedding, I forget the name of it. But my you big remember, Greek wedding. I mean, my yeah. aunts would pull me in and it was like suffocating, but it was such fun culture <laughs> and a lot of food to always too much food. Yeah. And I just don't, you know, I tell people that, you know, I'm Armenian and they didn't know. My friends didn't know when I was a young I boy. I wouldn't necessarily have known, yeah. Right. And um, yet now in the world of wine, you start tapping into it and you share with somebody, you know, that comes through the winery or tasting room, you're Armenian. And if they're out of Fresno, which has a huge contingency, yeah. of Armenian, the next yeah. time they visit, they're bringing food. Oh, I And it's love hilarious. It. So tiny country, huge culture. And now I feel more connected to now, it. Okay. We talked uh, before we started rolling, you told me about some exciting news with Larry Kandarian. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, Kandarian is Armenian. Yeah. That is like chill factor. That's pretty incredible what you're yeah. going to be doing with him in the the sweat and tears that have gone into his property that yes. you get to then join up with. That's pretty cool. Okay, so he's Armenian and he talks a lot about the Fertile Crescent and um that man is a an encyclopedia yes. of information. Um and it's inexhaustible, but maybe tell listeners a little bit about how you are somewhat partnering with him, but you know, you're, you're buying something from him. Correct. Yeah. The seed guru, Larry Kandarian grain guy, the grain guy, uh, the seed to the seed, um, is a mentor of mine and you know, a father figure, an uncle, how do I say oh, that? I, didn't I know mean, any of that. he, I mean, my dad is still alive and, and 83 years old and he is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. And I don't mean to use the term father figure in, in, you know, any lightheartedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, I just mean, um, Larry is a wealth of information, as you've noted, and I have a tremendous amount to learn from. I don't come from a family of farmers, Mm, so mm -hmm. it's new territory for me. Um, But Shauna and I, my wife and I, bought a home in Los Osos in 2013, and Mm. I was driving into the 
sun sets and then heading to work, which is on suburban road into the sunrise, thinking mm-hmm. about, well, this is an east to west transverse yep. mountain range. Why is there anybody doing anything west of the 101 here? 100%. And so my mind was turning in 2013. It reminds me so much. I'm jumping ahead, but it reminds me so much of the Santa Rita Hills. Well, I, I don't know yet, but I do. I see but the feel a huge, of it is the same. Totally. And there's a huge yeah. slide uh, at the Broderson Trail, mm-hmm. which if you look at in Los Osos, there's this massive chunk of white, which we need to yes. turn our heads on and I need to study more. I mean, yeah. uh, I need to tap into Miss Brenna Quigley and, uh, you know, Rajat Parr who's up there in Cambria, but yeah. the certain clay igneous, the idea of where we're at, um, I don't know if it's diatomaceous back there. I was there. just going to say, you don't know. I mean, no, and I'm learning more about it, but I'll mm-hmm. tell you the story is thinking first about the East West mountain range, thinking how neat it would be to do something unique and different because um, nobody had done anything. And yet, then I was proven wrong because there's a man out there named Earl May. And Earl May was a botanist and he was growing flowers mm-hmm. and had this third of an acre of Pinot Noir, oh, kind great. of a hobby farmer, yeah. hobby winemaker. Uh-huh. And I stumbled on the symmetry of these vine rows and you know, uh, met, met the man. And he had kept great records. He wasn't farming anymore. He was sailing. That was his new hobby. Mm. And he was in Indonesia, uh, New Zealand area, Fiji, anyways, more of the time than farming. Yeah. So he had neglected, kind of turned the page on the vineyard side, but had a bunch of wines to try. And these numbers and the numbers, chemistry, wine chemistry, related to something that certainly was ripe. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, maybe with numbers that are more than I would be picking at in my channel. So then it can I go there. could get there. It could get yeah. right. Higher sugars, higher pHs, good acidity mm-hmm. levels. I tried some of his wines, and while um, you know, not with a deep winemaking background, mm-hmm. I recognized these wines had good structure, dark color, and were sound. They were there. There was, there was life and character, and I thought, it's possible. And then, uh, you know, fast forward a little bit, Larry had put up a for sale sign. He sure did. I remember. Yeah. And this was in 2015. And so I called the number on the for sale sign, which led me to another Armenian guy in Fresno Mm -hmm. who was representing the property on Larry's behalf and, uh, (laughs) gave me an appointment and I met Larry and I said, Larry, hi, Ryan Devlechian. Oh, is that your name? That's my surname. My grandfather dropped the I-A-N from the end of our... I was going to say, it doesn't sound like... I've kind of always assumed that maybe it was like German or French or something. Yeah, so my grandpa dropped the I-A-N in the 40s during World War II. And he says, get out of here. You're Armenian. And he pulls me in, gives me a hug, and that's when the relationship started. And so it's been kind of a courting process. We've had some obstacles. You know, I've had to rally the financing. It fell Mm. through. I had to rally it again. Mm -hmm. And there was another hiccup on the other side. And then there was like, you know, just life roller coaster. COVID comes into play, Mm. sort of no lenders. Then uh, we are growing in business now, 21, 22 and I approached Larry. We've worked with some wonderful people to help us put together the, the terms. And yes, we uh, have now uh, purchased the property and taken over a long-term lease on it. But the most beautiful part is Larry's not done farming. He's not ready mm. to get off the tractor. And so mm. we've mm-hmm. organized the acreage so that I can get my project going. Mm-hmm. He's going to continue to farm. And all the while, I can get under his wing, learn more about the nooks and crannies and uh, you know, uh, seasons of this particular piece of dirt. And 
what he's been growing is wonderful overlap for us and cover crop and biodiversity and polyculture yeah. and the yeah. things that we can now move forward together to do. So he's How recently cool. remarried uh, Marianne, a lovely, yes, and he's, they're both so oh. happy and traveling and she's got great family and he's tapped into some, uh, just a, you know, a new chapter of life, yeah. which is so sweet, awesome. Yes. And I'm excited for them. So I'm excited for them too, but I'm mostly excited for both of you because Larry's a guy who I could see him really, he loves, he loves younger people too. He has a youthful energy Hmm. about him and I just see him. He's an open hearted guy, Mm -hmm. always remembers me, remembers my kids. Um, and I could just see the two of you really kind of riffing on on each other. He's a sage for sure. He's yeah, got sage, that, exactly. He's got that great spirit. And I think, you know, I always admire him in his pursuit of all the farmer's markets from Santa Monica to Mill Valley. Yep. This guy is in his car driving to yeah. Oakland and whatever he's going at 70, I think. Sorry, Larry, 77. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, no. I've had him on here. I think he said his age did several years ago. He, he's, and he's just. Uh, he gets after it, but I also know, as you noted, he mm-hmm. feeds off of that energy of yeah. people who want to learn and for him to mm-hmm. share what is unique and ancient in his grains and mm-hmm. bring things back so that they're a reintroduction. You know, yeah. chefs love him. They do. They love him and what he's doing and the uniqueness of his products and his att- intent is, you know, crystal clear. And is, yeah. so it's great. I mean, I'm, couldn't be more thrilled with the serendipity between mm-hmm. his ancestry, his experience on the property, mm-hmm. and the nature of you know a seamless transition, so that we can keep his efforts rolling mm-hmm. um, and pay homage to the property and what he's done over the last you know two and a half, three decades. I want to talk about you some more, but I also want to talk about Larry with two more things. Yeah, one is I've told this story before on here, but. I knew Larry, the kids did a summer camp that was on his property for whatever reason, kind of like this adventure camp. And he being Larry was like, come on kids, you know, and he let this summer camp happen up over the hill. I think there's a little body of water, like a pond or something up there too. So I would talk to him every time I do drop off and pick up because he'd be on the tractor out there. And I thought this guy is cool. And I thought of him kind of as like a hometown kind of guy. We go to Boston for a family wedding, and I wanted, really wanted to go to this certain kind of hotsy-totsy restaurant, like a deli cafe thing that I really wanted. So we have to travel outside the city, like we make all this effort, and it's this pilgrimage. Get there, and they have a little grocery, and I, it makes me want to swear. Candarian grains on the shelf. Yeah. In Boston at this place that was like so, so hip. And I thought, what the hell have I been? Like, Larry is so much more than a guy on a tractor. He's legit. Um, but that's the logo, a guy on a tractor. And that's what I it love is, about exactly. Larry. It is, exactly, yeah. Is, you know, you're going to see him out there on yeah. the tractor. And I don't know how he gets it done. Yeah. Uh, he also well. contains multitudes because, you know, when I had him on here... He shared, I thought he was just, you know, farmer, farmer way back. Nope. He was part of the team that developed the technology for USB, 
the thing that we use every day on our computers. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just, he's a very smart man. Okay, we can stop. We can stop fan club for Larry. He's just so great. Anyway, yeah. so you picked up the property. So now how many acres are you working with? We're looking to plant uh, Kevin Wilkinson, Coastal Vineyard oh, yeah. Services, who's uh, great. And I met when he was at Tally. You know, this is yeah. when I was with my Stephen Ross days. Yeah. 05, 06, you know. And so um honored and thrilled that he's going to take it over. It's creating the budget now, which nice. I smile because between 10 and 12 acres. Don't okay. know as the final. but. Starting slowly, uh, great vision, I think, on phase two. But as I noted, Larry's not done. And so the agreement is in place, which is, I think, a perfect fit for growth and growth strategy. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Pinot Blanc, Mm -hmm. uh, the Pinot Grigio, which we also source currently in the Edna Valley for a Romato on the skins style of Pinot Grigio. What does Romato mean? Copper in Italian or amber. It's like a oh, so lots amber of wine. skin contact. Eight months in an amphora. Okay, okay. picks up the beautiful color and has great tannin and uh, structural component. It's really fun. Wow, wine. cool. And um, a little Pinot Meunier, a little Gamay. So the idea of carrying on a sparkling program, you know, on a smaller side, but looking with all the varietals that we currently work with uh, through the Santa Rita Hills. I mean, it's mm. only four miles from the ocean, so we can't push, you know, a certain. Well, we will a little bit down the road. Time will tell. Yeah. Um, but, you know, starting conscientious to what we already have in place. Yeah. And with the new Slow Coast AVA, yes. it fits into then, um, you know, for us at least, while the fruit's coming on a Central Coast blend, because of what I have from the Santa Rita Hills now with the Slow Coast AVA, yeah. coastal varieties, um, you know, each within six to whatever, four miles from the ocean, a Central Coast blend that I can create between some iconic sites yeah. and to see ours develop so I can learn more about it and see where it goes. You know, as I'm thinking about it, you are joining a group of pioneers still very much on their own in many ways from Derbyshire up in St. Simeon, you know, parallel with Hearst Castle. Um, And like you mentioned, Rajpar with Stolo in kind of deeper, I think, into Cambria, but still very coastal. Uh, Mike Siner with Bossy mm-hmm. Vineyard in Avila, which is one of the closest to the ocean. And then, in it, to a certain degree, Leticia, which Leticia. is, you know... Spanish Springs Vineyard. I mean... Uh, yes. It's a big... That's true. Spanish Springs is another Spanish pioneer. Spanish Springs is out there, you know, on yeah. uh, Price Canyon. And uh, Risk look, the term pioneer is, is deep and not taking that on. However, I've done a lot of due diligence <laughs> to get there, and I think it's an incredible opportunity i really do yeah. and i love los osos community i know you love do. it love it and i feel um excited to bring wine to the community i mean yep. um, uh, of course to other parts of the central coast but um to think about you know what i have driven down on los osos valley road and now to be able to see the symmetry of a vineyard i mean i visioned yes. it since 2015 i was going to ask if you ever wanted if you ever pictured yourself having an yeah, estate in your- oh, well, an estate, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the idea of uh, we, Larry and I have got a great agreement in place, which has given us a chance financially to make it a, give it a go. Mm-hmm. And yes, I, to go full circle and be able to farm. I mean, I work with some incredible sites, mm-hmm. some very passionate growers. I don't want to take anything away from them not. and the collaborations mm-hmm. that we have, and I intend not to. Yeah, but this is to grow and to be able to make some decisions that are your own property. It's um, thrilling. It's exciting. It's daunting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's something I've wanted undoubtedly. Yeah. I worked in 
Australia in 2004 with the World uh, Wide Opportunities on Organic Farms, oh, so willing workers. Yeah, I didn't and know that, that whole woofing between that Australia and what? New Zealand was my catalyst. Yeah, okay. Kid from Orange County, I finished my baseball. I got hurt. Baseball was my oh, go. That's right. I forgot it was baseball. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, that was my original past. Why I love now living vicariously through Jack and Lou because they're little ball players, you know, and they love it. And what was your position? I was a third baseman until I got hurt, and then I got moved to first. And you, there was some connection for you to Kobe Bryant. Yeah, sadly. Was though. it the man in the... John Altabelli was my coach at Orange Coast College. And he and was in the helicopter. He was in the helicopter with That's Kobe, right. yeah. Oh, my gosh. And the, you know, it's, it's, intense. It's, it's intense, but I'll tell you, it's one of those, you know, some of those stories, you only the good die young, and I'm still mm. learning from coach now. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's like he speaks to me, he comes to me, so to, so to speak, sure. uh, if I may. Um, he and I talked the day before. Oh, uh, no way. Yeah, because they come to Cuesta College, uh-huh. and they play every even number year. So when Sean and I landed here in 05, they came in 06, 08, 10, 12, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And in 2020, we were hosting Orange Coast College baseball team and their parents at the winery. Oh, oh my gosh. On Thursday. Yeah. The coming Thursday. Okay. And I had talked to Coach on Saturday, and he said, Devo, which was my old nickname, people <laughs> butchered my name forever. So they always it was always D-E-V-O, but it's D-E-O-V-L-E-T. <laughs> But Devo, he said, uh, and I'm not trying to swell my head with this story, but no. Devo, he said, yeah, I know you make good wine, but my coaches don't drink wine, so fill the fridge with the C-. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I love wine, I'm passionate about it, and he wants me to fill my fridge with a bunch of Coors Light. But I'm pretty sure I can hear Russell Frome right now laughing yes, and loving it, going, well, totally. absolutely, devil, yeah, yeah, yeah. fill it up. <laughs> But um, a little, a little justification, confirmation there. Right. Yeah. But, and then he said, "And I have a hungry squad, so get a lot of that Santa Maria tricked it." And so, oh. you know, um, fortunately, I didn't buy all the meat. I didn't host them because it was too hard on me. But uh, that following weekend, I found my old jersey, and while a little tighter in the stomach, it still fit in the shoulders, and it was fun to put it on. And <laughs> you know, social media and the world that it connects was awesome because I yeah. was able to see, you know, twenty years later, my old teammates. And that's how I like you think about. I was able to make the connection like, what the hell? Ryan Devlet has something to do with this man in the helicopter. So social media yeah. can be so beneficial. Yeah, and it was great. And I, you know, some have now become wine club members. Some still just connect you know, mm-hmm. and see how I'm doing. And they'll pop through on occasion. And mm-hmm. um, baseball has um, been a huge influence in my life. And in fact, come back to me now, even with this property. I met some guys hmm. who have helped us with it you know, in the financial realm. We're old teammates of mine in high school. Oh. And they've gone on, um, done very well, and said, you know, Devo, we, um, we're wine guys, but we've been reading about you. And um, <laughs> they came up, and it's been wonderful now, you know, next level with the property, with yeah. the growth of Devil at Wines. But as it sort of relates to what my journey has been, I don't know, I feel really mm. Blessed and blessed. I really, I thought that you were going to say, I'm not even joking. I thought you were going to say, you know, baseball's even kind of become part of this property because um, we're going to clear some of it and we're going to build a baseball field. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, when my boys hear this, they know that that's what they're after. You know, 
the field of dreams, but I, it is a parallel there. I'm telling you, I, oh, I, what I'm I, doing I, out there, I don't know. Yeah. But if you build it, they will come. My fingers are <laughs> crossed. And so we're committing to this place. And yeah, Jack and Lou are both like, dad, there's room here. We can do a diamond. We might not need the corn, but if your grapevines are the outfield and I'm laughing with them, like, Gosh. but no, I mean, it's, um, is Lou named after who I think he's named after? You no, know, we just love those strong names, but of okay. course, Lou Gehrig, yeah. um, you know, I mean, he's an icon. Sure, know. totally. Uh, they are good, strong names, though. That's yeah. true. So Jack and Lou. That's so good. Yeah. How did you and Shauna meet? At a hostel in Melbourne, Australia, on oh. that trip I was on in 2004. I thought that maybe you were like high school sweethearts, because you do seem so... I don't know her very well, but what I do know is like you are very much a team. We're a team, and yeah. I admire you know her efforts. Um, you know, especially coming up now in harvest again. I think this is our twentieth, mm-hmm. and you start realizing with the kids how hard. I mean, look, summers we were talking about yeah dual income families. However, it works. Kids are going every which way. Different sports teams, friends. They want to hang out. It's challenging, mm. and then to eliminate yourself totally from the mix when it comes yeah. to the harvest. Um, it's, it's a, in the contract, though, in isn't it? it? And our I mean, boys are getting older now, which is awesome. And, you know, Shauna has always been a huge anchor for our family in the community, within our friends, undoubtedly, mm-hmm. um, liberating me to kind of do more of the business growing. And that's where, yeah, tremendous admiration. And I I, um, I noted that earlier. That feels like an, an element of success in family and watching our boys grow and... Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side, you know, a team, our team. I've been working with Grace now, Grace Cagle, for Grace. 10 years. That and says something about your teamwork as well. well I think that's baseball again, right? Though I love Grace. team, and I realize you can't do it yourself, right? And so no. 10 years, but now we, you know, Sean and I and Trevor, if we've talked to Trevor also. I mean, it's a lot on his plate. They've got two mm. beautiful girls, and she's going to get pulled, you know, in, in a Man, lot of directions. that feels like that happens fast. Marriage and two kids uh, well, for her. I, I mean, I it feel feels like, like yesterday. I think they just celebrated their fifth anniversary, and Mia is two, and Reese now, I think, five months, more mm. or less. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, and I think that that's where, wow, tip your hat, you know, these ladies in their uh, dual. What I they mean, do. Double jobs, two yeah. jobs. I mean, homemaker and Shauna's working full-time. and. Yeah. Grace working full time and homemaker as well, and the yeah. roles of mom, you know, touche, ladies. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Right. It is so awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you met in a hostel in Melbourne. Yeah. I, it brings me back to another question is when you, so did you do Australia and New Zealand for that one trip? Same year. And so, yeah, okay. I kind of got derailed after my baseball career ish yeah. ended, and I wanted to go on a little find yourself trip. So, you weren't like a wine and vit guy from No, Poly? sociology and economics, UC San Diego. <gasps> Yeah, yeah. We're not Polly. Yeah. There's <laughs> very few of us. No, I wish I would have known, though, because, boy, well, I would sure. have landed here yes. a lot earlier. What an incredible place to be and live. Um, yeah. And the, you know, Enology and VIT program would have been great. But That's true. I sociology I doesn't give you the prerequisites that the sciences uh, require for oh, the, gosh. you know. So anyways, I was not going back to school and was thinking about agriculture at that point in my life. Anyways, my cousin was on the big island of Hawaii, mm. uh, growing coffee on Kona and cool. growing something else on the Hilo side. Sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, he had, you know, the kind of black sheep of our family, mm. you know, different, so to speak, than the rest. And I gravitated to that, I think, as mm. one of the youngest in our family, and um, or the youngest. Among the cousins? Among the cousins, outside yeah. of uh, one other. But anyhow, yeah, one of the youngest. And... Um, 
my cousin Bradley to this day. In fact, he's down in the Santa Rita Hills now, um, mm. still pursuing his green thumb. Mm-hmm. And um, That's happening there. It's big time. That is happening there. And he's great. And he's super. Yeah. They call him the organic mechanic. And Bradley <laughs> uh, was influential in my life then. I happened to be dating a vegetarian at UC San Diego, and she was growing mm-hmm. herbs and garden stuff. And it was fascinating. And um, I needed to clock out uh, when university was over and kind of go find myself and um, found this woofing program. Yep. And it was awesome to think I could go to yes. Australia. I had traveled, you know, in Europe before in mm-hmm. Mexico and Canada. I love travel. It was in my blood. Um, but to go to an English-speaking place to yep. continue to surf, uh, I thought Australia would be fun. New Zealand, too. And 100%. I, totally. So it has I, everything. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I spent seven months in 04 in Australia mm-hmm. and then went worked the harvest south of Melbourne in the Mornington Peninsula mm-hmm. which was a cool climate and remind me is it Pinot there it's Pinot Noir yeah Pinot yeah. Noir Chardonnay there's some Syrah but cool climate undoubtedly yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the winemaker there gave me the book The Heartbreak Grape mm. which was about Josh Jensen and his pursuit to find limestone in Hollister and Calera Winery. How interesting that he gives you this book about California. And I read that book, which is all about Pinot Noir, Mm -hmm. and then I see Josh Jensen on the stage at the World of Pinot Noir three years later, and there's a lot of that. You know, I've been able to be in tune gratefully to and feel and commit. But which place did you work for in New Zealand? So I spent time, at that point I saved money, yeah. Working at a hostel in Dramana, Mornington Peninsula. Took all the money from the harvest and the fact that I wasn't paying for room and board. Yeah. Bought a van in New Zealand. In As Christchurch. one does. So for two... Oh, okay. So you were on South Island. I was on the South Island okay. for two months. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the North Island for two months mm-hmm. following the woofing program. And... Pause, pause for a second. Oh, damn it. They're here. They are early. I have... Cleaners coming. Hold on. Okay, so listener, funny, funny story. We just had to move outside because somebody showed up at the house and we needed <laughs> we needed some presents. And isn't it like warm and beautiful out here right now? It's awesome. Okay, Ryan, you were talking about New Zealand. So you were on the North Island or you were on the South Island for two months and then you moved to the North Island for two. Yeah, and on the South Island I was able to park the this van that I bought um, at Ripon estate yes. in Lake Wanaka. Yes. And Nick Mills and I sat down for a week and I helped them a little bit there in their efforts. Yeah. But he became a um, guru, mentor of mine, told me as soon as you get back, because of course this is my first year of work experience in the vineyards, yeah. never before. Oh, so, but not in, so you never did Australia, you never worked I had in, done Australia, okay. but this was the first year I had immersed myself in vineyards. Started okay. in the Hunter Valley, worked in the Yarra Valley. Yes. Worked in the Mornington Peninsula. Now I take the money, buy a van. I'm traveling the South Island. I hit Lake Wanaka. I meet Nick Mills. And Nick and I had a chat, stayed on his property for a week. It's gorgeous. He may be one of the most picturesque vineyards in the world. Absolutely. Stunning place. So beautiful. And a wonderful human being. Mm. And he gave me a lot of advice. Uh, One of the most important was when I got home, uh, find Ted Lemon. Who's and that? Ted Lemon is Literai Wines up in Sonoma. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Incredible wines. And while I'm still yet to meet Ted, I've tapped into those wines, you know, a lot. And the philosophy and some of my older, let's see, how do I say older, but uh, colleagues, but older friends, you mm-hmm. know, colleagues have gone on 
to work there. Trey Fletcher, who's now the mm-hmm. winemaker at Sanford Winery mm-hmm. and helps over there at Sanford and Benedict, have a great team. But Trey was Ted's assistant, mm-hmm. as was another guy named Dan Estrin. Mm-hmm. And Dan is up in Oregon, and so uh, at Christum Wines. But okay. these guys, Dan used to work at Red Car Wine Company, and so I knew him from time God, at Central Coast. So it's wonderful. It really is. It's such a small network. Yeah. And so that was it. Yeah, and Nick Mills was huge. I still stay in touch with him. And in fact, um, really... Um, Honored that we were able to send one of our old interns to work with oh, Nick. Oh, that's so cool. Taylor Rabora worked with us a couple of years ago uh, in 19 and then worked the 2020 yeah. at Wanaka, which was challenging because of COVID and whatnot. But yeah. do you have these, you know, um, alumni, Devil yeah. Wines alumni, move Aww. on, you know, or, or Alex Henderson was with us for four, four, excuse me, for four years yeah. and he's working with Dan Estrin at Christum. So it's oh like tiny gosh. world. And it to is see, so small. Yeah. It's awesome. It is so awesome. Remind me. So Rippon and Lake Wanaka, God, you know, those New Zealand names, those Maori names, they all start to blend a little bit. Is Lake Wanaka in the center or is it down by um, Queenstown? Is down it? by Queenstown. It's about an hour outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And is there a little island yes. in the middle of with a tree on it? Yes. That's the one. Okay. It's a stunning place. It yeah. is. R-I-P-P-O-N. Yes. And it's kind of tucked back. If it, We tasted there. Um, that's kind of a... That's an interesting spot for you to land because it's... Isn't that one of the only ones in that area? Yeah, Rolf and Lois Mills yes. put that in. I think own rooted because of the fact that there wasn't anything out there. Now there's some others. I I believe that. And yeah, um, yeah Nick is you know uh, um, when he was studied in Burgundy and he's a biodynamic guy, and so yeah. I was just fascinated, you know, absorbing it all and sponging it. But up I mean, and, it's just it's not Blenheim and it's not like um, Central Otago. Exactly. So no. they that was he was they were a pioneer for yeah. sure in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I gorgeous so, place. So many, so many superlative wines in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, I worked at um, Alan Scott Wines in Blenheim, which has become kind of like a, I mean, it's a biggie. It's production and, and quantity level. Um, Sauvignon Blanc and... Uh, Pinot Noir. I'm not in touch with them anymore, so I'll say their their Pinot Noir didn't have a lot of juice to it. But... Um, but the access that I had as industry there to the, God, how many, four dozen wineries that were just pumping out the most gorgeous stuff mm-hmm. and really so site-specific. Nothing else tastes like that. Yeah, to the, to the country, you mean. Kiwi, Sauvignon Blanc, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, but Blanc also Riesling. I mean, Pinot Noirs, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a special, there's a special flavor to it, but the Pinot Noir in um, Central Otago was... Absolutely. There, I've never tasted anything like that before. Mm. I just really resonated with the wines that came out of there. And also like was, the big it, Syrahs that were coming out of, I can't remember that area. Hawks Bay area. Yes, yeah. 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 And the Gimblet Gravels, they're doing the Bordelais yes. stuff now too. And I think uh, Craggy Range. I was a Craggy actually, Range Syrah, my gosh. Yeah, I was yes. en route. I had an appointment to go see Doug Weiser and he had passed away. But he was a UC oh. Davis student Um and winemaker or assistant, I don't recall. American? The time, American winemaker uh. at Craggy Range. Wow. I and so I wanted, to, I, here I was like a bit by the bug, yeah. you know, I, uh, working around Australia, mm. 
spending time now with Nick, doing pruning on the South Island, making my way north Mm -hmm. in this van, which I was living in and surfing and reading, you know, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance on the road (laughs) and all those fun. This was before the Kindle, so you're carrying the books, right? Yeah, yeah. But I carried all those fun. And go find yourself. And I thought, well, Doug, the question I had for him is, uh, okay, I just graduated. I'm 25 years old. Mm -hmm. Do I go back to UC Davis? Or do you think I can get that on-the-job training and just carry on? Oh, I'm sure I'm, he said on-the-job. Well, I don't. never met him. Sadly, he passed away. Uh, it was a tragic oh, accident. Doug, so Doug yeah, Weiser. Yeah, yeah. And they now have a wonderful, um, oh, God, what's the term? I want to say fundraiser, but that's not right. A foundation on behalf oh, yeah. of Doug Weiser uh-huh. to help student, California students get abroad to work oh, their harvests. Gosh, and it's a wonderful... Funny acknowledgement of Doug Weiser and I never met him but the mm-hmm. journey went that I got home in um, after that year landed in Orange County again where I'm originally from and told my folks that I think I found my bliss and I need to move to the Central Coast because mm-hmm. it's close enough to you guys I'm going to chase this dream of wine growing and wine making learn more about it um, it's not Napa and Sonoma which is feeding the uh, Davis yeah. and Fresno State students too so my competition mm-hmm. with just one year was and I felt I had a, a visit a huge incredible paramount in my career a visit with Chad Melville who told mm-hmm. me basically mm-hmm. put his arm around me and was like look uh, the Central Coast between Paso Robles and Santa Barbara is doing a lot of incredible things so was that what made you choose here yes yeah okay yeah my and the time he gave me was awesome yeah. I'm a huge fan of Chad and um you know and he just said you know go but why don't you start in San Luis Obispo because then mm. north or south you can kind of traverse and figure yeah. out where you want to land mm-hmm. and I ended up um, that's good advice because just great. geographically that's true you know totally yeah and I ended up landing my first job with was then Sylvester Winery, yeah. uh, now Lavigne. Mm-hmm. And a wonderful first six months, Jack Jacobs was our winemaker, incredible guy who allowed me to make errors without yelling at me, you know. And I was really young, mm-hmm. naive, and I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it was errors on the pump and blowing up hoses and dropping barrels on the forklift. I mean, I hate to say that stuff out loud, but it's the truth. And yeah. it happened. And sure. then... Stephen and Paula put an ad out, and I was able to get a seller hand job with them uh, in 2005, mm. and the learning went up exponentially. Did they was, put an ad out in the Tribune? Is that how you said it? I don't it? remember how it was. Can you even Might believe that wine, used to happen? Yeah, I don't remember how that happened. Or wine winejobs.com. I don't yeah. remember where I saw it, but <clears throat> it was one where I recognized I could be right next to the winemaker. Mm-hmm. And Steve taught me formula as one of the earlier students in the Davis Nology program, he taught me a lot of chemistry and formula. Mm, mm-hmm. But then after his graduation uh, from Davis, he was the became cellar master at Louis Martini. He was there for 10 years. And yeah. so Steve was, you know, the elbow grease or the food grade grease, whatever you want to talk about mm-hmm. in the winery. He was the gumboots. He was cleaning drains, yeah. topping barrels, yeah. shoveling tanks, all of the you know, an unglamorous side. Yeah, the grunt stuff. The grunt stuff, you know, pressure washing floors, mm-hmm. uh, fixing your own glycol manifolds, um, all of that stuff. So I was able to tap into him. And two years later, I was in, you know, tears thinking that I needed to move on from him and Paula because I just wanted to learn from other people. I think yeah. when you're apprenticing, it's important. It's super important. When I was teaching piano, the, I mean, there's kind of an understanding that you you study with one teacher for three years and then you move on, mm-hmm. you know, because you need to gain 
all different perspectives. So if there's a winemaker who's really comes from like an analogy bent or lab bent or whatever, you got to get with somebody who's doing, you know, learn what you can from them. And then you got to move on to somebody else. Who Which has a was bent. great. Those yeah. two years for me were massive. I mean, incredible to get both sides of the industry from him yeah. and Paula brilliant in the business side. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't remember which airline at the moment that she worked. I want to say oh, United and she comes from a, a, a very educated economic finance background and was a, you know, the great brains, I think, uh, if I may, to kind of rein in some of the passion of Steve to make sure <laughs> it takes, business it takes makes both. sense. Yes, yeah. And so the they, they were, they have been incredible in my life. Yeah. Um, and your economics, uh, you know, your interest in econ as one of your majors. It was a, yeah, I was minoring in it. Um, a I minor, okay. Yeah, I was thinking about law. When I got hurt playing baseball, my thought was, man, it'd be neat to maybe be an agent for athletes and mm, I could yeah. stay in the game that way. Mm. Um, and that's where my study kind of went because I just was lost, I think, as a student, not really directly passionate about it, something, but knew that I got to go to college and finish college. And was baseball your ticket to college as well? I wasn't necessarily. I played two years at Orange Coast, was transferring to UC San Diego, and I got hurt. I was okay. uh, I was a good ball player, but mm. you never know. I mean, um, it was my focus, for I, sure. I feel like I still think of things in terms of pitching stories for magazines. Um, And there's a story here about winemakers who were injured um, playing sports and they got into wine because they needed another step. I'm thinking of Andrew Jones who got injured. He's so, oh my gosh, I just adore him. He got hurt playing football and had a guy, I think it was a coach who said something like, you know, maybe wine is the next step for you. And Cal Poly happens to have, you know, this really reputable program. Um, but there are others too. I know people who got into be- becoming sommeliers because they got hurt trail running or I don't know. It's Great just- game for me. I loved it. That was my yeah. focus for sure. And, um, transferring to UC San Diego, it wasn't like about, it was just going back to school. I had, I had, um, taken a couple of years of my life and worked construction because I was traveling Europe with my brother and went to study abroad in Cambridge, England in 1999. And I had really like spent a lot of money and uh, (laughs) credit was brutal and I needed to, so I took a couple of years of school off. And when one of the last job sites I was working on looked at the library at UC San Diego and I was a good student Mm -hmm. and I had my AA degree at that Mm -hmm. point and um, thought, you know what, I'm going to go back to school, this construction thing while fun and it's making me money at 19 and 20 is not what I want to continue to do. Yeah. And finished uh, then at UC San Diego in sociology and studying economics and um, thought I would get into law, finish at the sociology, never finished the minor in economics, was close, but I wasn't, I needed a break. Mm-hmm. And that's when the travel to um, Australia happened and that's when I came home and told my folks, I don't think this law thing is for me. I've already rerouted again. How'd they take that? They were both teachers and super supportive. Oh, good. Okay. Sweet people, yeah. And they, in fact, um, now they live up here, which is great, and they're a huge oh, help to us. They moved awesome. to Los Osos in end of 2017. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, both teachers and my dad was a wine guy. So, um, oh, he was. Yeah, he, he drank wine. He drank wine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a heart thing in the 90s, and the doctor told him have a glass of red wine and an aspirin to kind of thin the blood. So did and, my dad. Same situation. And 60 I just, minutes did a big thing on that. Totally. <laughs> the all the polyphenols that are in there. Exactly. And um, <laughs> my dad would sit there on the couch. He was, wasn't like a beer guy, not a hard alcohol guy, mm-hmm. but he would. Be reading his John Grisham books, drinking his glass. Our dads of need to hang out. Blackstone Merlot, <laughs> yes. you know, and uh, that was Dennis. Uh, and um, so, wait, what's his name? Dennis. So is mine. No way. They do oh need to hang gosh. out. And not only that, similar folk. Do you I know love it. Kehoe Carbon Cookware out in Los Osos? No, okay. I don't. Well, those do guys I? came on yesterday. They're going to be okay. in the same season with you. I also had the Beerwood people out. This is They're a Los awesome, Osos yeah. season. Um, but hit Dennis Kehoe, we were talking about that. His dad's name is Dennis. He's Dennis Jr. I I, there it. is something happening here. And the Dennis's right now. Yeah, that's too funny. Yeah. Yeah. Drinking, that sounds about right. Drinking. Is your mom's name Nancy? Pam. Ah, uh, well. Her mom's name is Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> we're Californians. This is what happens. Um, so that was it. I came home and, um, yeah, told my dad, Mom, you know, I, I found it. And my dad was a teacher at Mount San Antonio Community College. Mm-hmm. And in his, um, oh gosh, school, and he was a business school, and in his administration, people helping in throughout his area, um, she knew Ron Melville mm. and oh, wow. gave me the interview with Chad, or at least a discussion. So that's how that came about. And so that's how it came about. So my parents have been supported from day one. My dad kind of being conduit to me to meet Chad, and Chad to this mm. day, as I noted, um, a guru and buddy and um that's so crazy that it came through fan. them, though. You know, yeah, I love it. Great. Um, this this may come off not quite right, but um, you strike me as, and I've said it before, one of the nicest people oh. in the wine industry. But but there's a real something to that. There are a lot of um, it's part of the business to sell, and so there is a lot of sales and sales. I think can get kind of messy sometimes, from what I've observed. Is, that you know there's a lot of drinking there's a lot of schmoozing and there's a lot of just being part of that it's easy to fall into that system and not be able to see your way out do you think that that could be accurate yeah I don't want to speak of other people's directions I don't know I mean for me there's certainly been ups and downs in my own you know 100% same for me same for me um what I've witnessed is um I've actually had people tell me this who have come from a sales background. Is you have to, yeah, maybe at the beginning you just kind of party and have a good time. It's easy to do that. Um, but also there comes a point where you have to make a decision, you know, am I going to pursue that end of the work or not? And, um, and I think a lot of people is they, they kind of age out of it too. You know, Jamie, I've met some people through, like when I started at Central Coast Wine Services, uh, Russell Frome, I've seen him. Mm-hmm. We've had great times. McPrice Myers, yeah. Kurt, Paul Otto. Um, yeah. You know, we, and I've had plenty of wine. We've had plenty of drinks. We've had plenty of parties. We had a lot of fun over the years. Uh-huh. And I've had tremendous admiration watching their businesses grow. Yeah. And watching the Central Coast grow. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the term pioneering you throw around we throw around is not um light in the sense that you know you look at old generations 50 years of a wine growing 
um, would be maybe just one generation, right? I mean, if the yeah. Central Coast yeah. was around in the 70s, we're in 2020s now, you're in the 50 years of that generation. And I don't want to mm. just put myself in that because the Richard Sanfords, Michael Benedicts, sure. um, Clendenin. Clendenins yeah. and Billy Wathens and Adam yeah. Tolmox, Bob Linquists, right? And Alban. And, and yeah. then you, and John Alban, and then you go, you know, maybe Greg Brewers and Steve Clifton and yeah. uh, Russell and Paul, and they, a new, you know, their spin, and I've seen yeah. them, but I've been able to be a part of um, an incredible growth on the Central Coast. Yeah. Um, that I want to make sure we continue to be. And so, yes, you're right. You've got to keep focus. Mm -hmm. And I can look at friends and colleagues who have whatever, quote unquote, success. Mm -hmm. And you Mm -hmm. tap into that as like, how are they doing it? And the most beautiful part, this is not a knock on Napa and Sonoma. I've got a lot of wonderful friends up there Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But the Central Coast has put their arms around the industry and a rising tide rises all ships, Mm -hmm. no secrets. There's been a great philosophy of collaboration. Mm -hmm. I mean, you Mm -hmm. see it in the growth of Paso Robles, undoubtedly. Um, Santa Barbara, a bit more spread out, but then I've got a lot of wonderful friends and colleagues there that are, you know, uh, easily accessible, Mm -hmm. sharing their knowledge, their information. They all want you to do well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, thank you. I appreciate the nod of um, being nice, but you get what you give, I think. And I've had so many awesome people. Oh, I know. Help me. And I knew you'd deflect that one. But what I kind of what I'm trying to say is that, um, and of course, no shade at anybody. This is an incredible group of people. Obviously, I love them if I have this podcast, right? Oh, shoot, I'm drinking at 10 o'clock. Are we going back to that? <laughs> So we call it tasting and we get away with more. Yes, it's so true. We're not drinking, we're tasting. <laughs> I don't see a spit bucket on this table, though. Um, no, just, I think that, um, here's maybe more what I'm saying. It would be easy, I could see it as being easy to absolutely be consumed by work. If you, this business could do that. Um, and I see there are people out there for whom, you know, it really has done that. It seems to me that you have maintained an excellent level of balance with your family. You're so you're devoted to them. Um, there's no drama with you, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. And that's so excellent. And you're right. A rising tide does lift all ships. And um, and I guess what I'm trying to say is you're part of that rising tide. And and I'm not trying to kiss your butt. I'm just. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, the balance is hard. So you do recognize it like it is For hard sure. to find. For sure. I that. do. And especially in the social media world where I know I'm the brand presence and I need to be engaged more. And I see a younger audience that can, or a younger audience, a younger platform, a younger group of producers who can just do it seamlessly. They don't even have to think about it. No. And yet at the same time, I don't want to be on the screen all the time watching yeah. my children. You know, because I'm not quick and good at it, so yeah, it takes yeah. me more time. Mm-hmm. And then I'm spending too much screen time, and so that's not healthy. And so, and you're and you're telling them, "Hey, get off a screen." All of that is hard, and yeah. the balance of it all. Plus, we do work hard, and you know, work late, and you know, I'm pulled in a lot of directions with travel. And as a small business, mm-hmm. I have to go work these markets to make sure our distributor relationships are as spot on as they can be, and grow mm-hmm. other markets. And so, it's pulling me away. And Shauna then. Again, is the anchor of the family, keeping yeah. it together in our Los Osos community and yes, other families. Yeah. Takes a village to raise the kids, for sure. And I yeah. recognize that. I'm so grateful for everybody that helps us as a family and my mom and dad, who are huge mm. in that. Um, it's a balance without a doubt. And it can be taxing and it can be frustrating mm. when I see 
others that can just take off and have certain things. Um, but it's, it's always goes back to like, I'm making wine on the central coast. No, sure. For sure. Kidding? Yes. This is yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so no supportive of this community yeah. and the efforts of Biddle Ranch Vineyard making wine with them for since 2014. Cause so I, w- I never even asked, are well, you that's, still yes. making wine? Grace and that... I have been there for 10 years now too. And I love watching I their growth. I love that that didn't even come. It's so funny that it hasn't even come up. Till well, now. I'm so proud of that relationship yeah. and to the, the, the group of investors that is the family that is Biddle Ranch. Yes. It's such um, excellent stuff, too. Yeah, and I love that. And we, we get to work with more um, San Luis Obispo County fruit, you know, where I got my start in Santa Barbara. And I work with some great with sites down there. And mm-hmm. I and I bring them up, you know, the vineyards that Devlet has. Uh, yes, I was with Refugio Ranch since from 2008 until 2020. Yep. And I think that's been great having the support of these other wineries while, you know, allowing Devlet wines to grow. I can take an income without that inventory at the same time, make some money to help pay down my debt service Mm -hmm. so that our business can grow and no pressure on Jack and Lou. But, you know, I want the second generation to have it easier and to be able to make wine in the Central Coast again to feel what I have. Like our parents made it easier for us, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a succession. And I love it. And I think that's where, wow, the factor comes in with Larry and all of these, this, 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 yeah. this ball, you know, this, this, you know, I hope to call it momentum in the best possible way and not, you know, boastfully, but the idea that we can now continue pushing that dream, which yep. is awesome. Yeah. Well, as we sit out here frying in the overcast light of the midday sun, um, I will ask you, gosh, it's been fun to talk to you. Um, yeah, likewise. Thank you for the visit. You're so welcome. Tell me if it were your last day on earth and you wanted to be celebratory, what would you eat? What would you drink? Oh. And also I've been asking where would you be and who would be with you? I would be with my family. Um, I don't know if you could give me an airplane full of friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can. Um, okay. I mean, I, there's many. I don't know where I draw <laughs> the line. Folks from, from, from Argentina and... And yeah, Australia. Australia, college baseball days, high school baseball days, yep. um, you know, uh, high school friends, mm-hmm. uh, colleagues here, college friends. It'd be lo- it'd be hard. I mean, international travel people, people I've met working. I don't know. I just bring all of Blackburn people, family, <laughs> you know, of course, um, it's what it's always been about. Right. They always tell you mm-hmm. that it's the relationships in life. And so mm-hmm. hard to fill that airplane. Um, gosh, I don't know. Um too much, too much to say. It's such a wonderful world out there of mm-hmm. wine and food. I'm still exploring. Mm-hmm. I love it all. I mean, uh, but give me something you're going to eat. Come on now. Ha. Uh, you know what we don't get around here a lot of is a uh, a lot of dim sum. <laughs> That's absolutely right. So I would maybe go back to Hong Kong. There was a restaurant I had when I was there. Uh, we export and. Um, I had a key to the city with our yeah. Oriental Pearl, who was our exporter, uh, our importer into Hong Kong, and they showed me this one restaurant that was mind blowing. Yes, dim sum. Yes, you're so right. That would be something special to have. We've got a lot of great restaurants here in oh, San Luis Obispo totally. County, Santa Barbara County, up and down the state of California, and I'm so grateful when I can go work the markets and, and yeah. I eat at some wonderful spots and put on the LBs. Unfortunately, which is harder <laughs> as you get older, but uh, we've had some great wines too. But I love. 
you know, we're the world of wine. Sean and I were yeah. in Spain, uh, middle of June to the end of June, and I had some wines and introductions to varieties there that I had never experienced. And I've never wow. been to Spain. I'm that's it's coming up. We're gonna go. Well, I'm happy to help. Noelia Callejo was our conduit. I worked with her in Argentina in 2008, and her family oh. has bodegas Felix Callejo in the Ribera del Duero. And oh, how cool! Connection. She was awesome. Yeah. To help us get around different regions and restaurants in Madrid and San Sebastian. And we mm. ate we ate and drank well. Can you give me, I know you probably want lots of wines at this party, but give me one bottle that you'd like to drink. Is it this one? Oh, I don't, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't. I mean, I never had that. A lot of people can go and lean on that epiphany bottle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have that. I don't have that. How funny. You came at it through the agriculture. I came at it from a different way, I guess. Yep. There wasn't this wine. I mean, I uh, studied and got certified into level one in the Court of Master Small Days, but mm-hmm. not for service, but more to delineate wine, to understand yeah. how you break it down. Yeah. But my mentality was always like the the, the, the calloused side, the, the nuts and bolts and the blue collar and the yeah. ag to the winery and shovels. Mm-hmm. And anyways, I don't... I don't know. I've had a lot of wonderful wines over the years. Look at you um, refusing to answer. Ah, I've had so many. It's hard. I you put on the spot. I just can't. I, I don't. Know. There's but so where, many. So so it's funny. I, I'm thinking. You know, where would Ryan want to have this party? And I can tell you one place that's a poss- It's in the running. Is that wonderful little yard behind the winery? Oh. Right? It's so great. Well, that, that's where we, yes, that's a, always a good party. that's where, so, and oh my God, I'm going to cry. I forgot always that you party. knew Murphy, our old dog. Yeah. Murph and yeah, Dave yeah. at, at, um. Suburban Road. Yeah, Suburban Dave at Benchmark. Suburban Road at Benchmark. He's yes. been there, I think he was there 17 years before we got there and I got there yep. in 2012. He built all our cabinets in the bathroom. Ah, uh, he's great. Yeah, he Suburban great. Road is fun and that's where I, you know, you say that. And I do, I can immediately think of some fun industry, industry. We've had some, we call them a civilized lunches. Yeah. That yeah. they're three or four or five, and you're back eight there, hours and you? we're back there yep. and everybody's bringing wines of the world. They bring yeah. their own and they bring something special. And I've had a lot of great, you know, friends come to those. So those would be something that would be a highlight. Of course, I'd have to get uh, later in life when Jack and Luke and cheers mm-hmm. us and share in a glass, but um mm-hmm. I'm not really ready to go, so it's hard to think about that. <laughs> That's fair enough. Ryan, yeah. it's so fun to sit with you. I don't get that treat very often. and um, Yeah, cheers. Well, thanks. Cheers yeah. to you. Uh, August 19th, if you want to come. Is, what is it? Uh, I don't know when this is going to air. but September um, 1st, but tell me anyway. Well, anyways, Mark Adams' band is coming to play, and he's awesome. At the winery. Yeah, in oh, the back of that beautiful little grass area. Oh, my gosh. Sean Barons of Bear City Social. Yes. He's awesome, and he's been a huge he's supporter. He's great. And so yeah. Sean's you know, bringing the food and the small bites. And the Osos And we do that open house like every year, middle of August. It's oh a nice God. kickoff to the crush where I don't see anybody for months. Right. You know? And so, um, yeah. Anyways, August 19th, come. if you can come. I want to. Bring your family. I will. It's great. I love it. Okay. Low back chairs and blankets. <laughs> Low back chairs. Watch the I band. I feel like that's something you have to say on the Central Coast for anything. It's like, low back chair. Low back chairs and blankets so that you're not taking the views from somebody else. But yeah, okay, fun. I'll see you then. Thanks. Okay. That wraps up another episode of the Consumed Podcast. If you like what you've heard here, please like and leave a review. It really does help. And if you want more information about any of the guests on Consumed, you can find a page of notes for each episode at letsgetconsumed.com. 
You'll also find a sign-up form for the Consume newsletter and contact info for me in case you have comments, compliments, questions, or suggestions for people you think should be on the show. I'm Jamie Lewis. Thanks as always for listening.